Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Last week, if you heard our uh, our episode, it was a recording from me at the Grace Family Church Prayer and Healing School, and it went pretty well. And we'll get into what we talked about in just a second. Uh, and this past Wednesday, two days ago, I was honored to teach there again, really a part two of my teaching on healing. Uh, but unfortunately, the recording did not turn out very well. I had just, just a variety of issues, and, and I don't think it was very good. So I'm really going to do that teaching again today. And I think it's just going to make for a much better experience uh, for the listener. So last week, uh, and if you didn't hear it, I encourage you to go check it out. But last week, we, we really kind of did an overview on healing and God's power and desire to heal. And we looked at a bunch of verses and we really came away with the understanding that God's healing power is available to everyone and God wants everyone healed. We also took some time looking at the biggest arguments against healing. And we won't go through them again now, uh, but we tried to answer those arguments from the Bible, from the Word of God, looking at specific scriptures that would dispute those arguments. And when we look at that, if we look at a scale, for example, and we say, okay, if we put all of the arguments for healing on one side and all of the arguments against healing on the other side, then there's just no comparison. And I'm not suggesting that I'm an expert on all of these subjects. I know a lot of these arguments have been debated for you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. But I would say, and I think it's very reasonable, and again, I encourage you to listen to last week's teaching. I think it's very reasonable to say that when you look at all of the support to the proposition that God, in fact, wants everyone healed and that, in fact, the power of God is available to everyone, there's just overwhelming evidence that, in fact, that is true. And the arguments against healing are quite weak uh, and I want to I want to say that respectfully to everyone that has uh, adopted those arguments or believes those arguments or even advanced those arguments. I want to say that respectfully and with love. I'm not trying to condemn anyone, but but again, I encourage you to look at what we went through last week. Uh, I find those arguments very weak, and I, and I remain totally and completely convinced that God wants everybody healed. But again, I admit that maybe that doesn't resolve the debate entirely. But we're just doing our best here. You know, I'll tell you, um, you know, the reason that we got into healing, again, is because my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was a terrible moment. We we were walking with the Lord at that time. We knew the Lord. I had taught many classes at my church. I was a licensed minister and we knew a lot and we knew even a lot about healing. But we did not know the the most important truths. We were missing some key elements in our doctrine. And so we really started pressing in like never before, uh, reading the scriptures, listening to teaching, going to meetings, you know, really doing anything we can to learn the truth. And it did. It took me about three years. A lot of what I'm going to talk about tonight is, is the culmination of three years focusing on healing, learning healing, studying healing, teaching healing. And and it really took about three years for me to, to really grasp some of the most important truths. And I'm going to be sharing those with you tonight. So last week, again, we kind of looked at healing uh, in a bit of an overview sense. 
But this week, we're going to talk about the mechanics of how to receive the power of God into your physical body, because that's what it's all about. I mean, we can get super excited about how God wants us healed, and we can get really excited about how God wants everyone healed. Uh, and, and I admit that was very exciting to us. Once we realized that, that God, in fact, wanted everybody healed and his healing was available to everybody. I mean, that alone was a huge comfort to us. I remember, and for me personally, it was when I started sitting under Curry Blake's teachings, and he is currently the overseer of John G. Lake Ministries, and specifically his teaching called Divine Healing Technician, I believe it is, or Divine Healing Training. I think it's Divine Healing Technician, and all of this is free on YouTube. And it's like, you know, 15 hours of teaching on healing, but I came out of that just absolutely rock solid. God wants everybody healed. And that was a tremendous blessing for us because then you've resolved a major issue, right? You know, God's will for you is healing. Now the only question is, all right, how do I see the power flow? How do I see that will manifest in my physical body? What do I need to do? So that's really the second side of the discussion. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And we're going to start by looking at the miracle with the woman with the issue of blood. And and I think that when, when we talk about healing from a doctrinal perspective or a theological understanding of God's will to heal, I think the atonement and understanding that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our disease and by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. I think understanding that is, is probably the most important doctrinal or theological issue. But it, when it comes to the power flow, which is our focus today, I think the woman with the issue of blood presents the most important issues and is the most important healing miracle to understanding the real, the power flow, for lack of a better word, seeing the power of God for healing flowing into your physical body, because that's really where we need what we need. So this is Mark 5, verses 25 through 34. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So let's start with this. Jesus did not know who touched him. Now, there are some people that tell you that Jesus uh, was omniscient, that he knew everything. Uh, that he knew exactly who touched him and this was just some sort of bizarre exercise to get her to come forth or something like that. But that's really unbiblical. That's adding some facts to the text that are not present in the word of God. No, the fact is Jesus did not know who touched him and he did not decide to heal her. And note that she didn't come begging him. She didn't pray to him. She didn't ask him. She just walked up and took 
healing power for her body. And it worked. That's really the amazing thing. It worked, right? So then when Jesus realizes what happened, you know, he doesn't yell at her. He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't get mad at her. You know, she's unclean. She's violating the law. She has this issue of blood. He doesn't say, you know, what are you doing? Stealing my healing power? You know, you selfish woman, you, how dare you? No, there's none of that. He honors her. He says, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You know, I'll tell you one fascinating thing that shows us the degree to which he's honoring her is he calls her daughter. And there are only two times in the Bible where Jesus refers to someone as a son or daughter. He refers to this woman as daughter and he refers to the man that was lowered through the roof. He refers to that man as son. Those are the only two times. He calls the disciples children collectively a few times, but these are the only two instances where he refers to someone as son or daughter. And I think that's very fascinating. I think that's very telling. I think, in fact, that Jesus speaking, you know, really with the voice of Jehovah Rapha, daughter, my child, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. You know, see, he's saying that she did absolutely nothing wrong, even though on the surface we could suggest or argue that she did many things wrong. But in fact, no, she didn't do anything wrong. And what's wonderful and fascinating is that rather she simply took what Jehovah Rapha had made available to her. You see, God had put all of his healing power, or at least all that would be necessary for anybody's healing. He had put that right in the body of Jesus and she just walked up right, walked right up and took it. And you see, that is wonderful and amazing. And she's honored for doing that. And so... I believe that this is the most important healing miracle, and I believe that it, it teaches us very powerful and important truths about how the healing power of God works. You see, right now in my office where I'm sitting, I work from home, so I have an office here, uh, there are lights on in this room. And if I flip the switch, those lights are going to turn on every single time. Now, yes, I appreciate it. We could add to the hypothetical. What if the burn, the bulb burned out? Or what if there's a power outage or blah, blah, blah? Some of those things. Yes, I get that. But in general, every single time I flip the switch, the electricity is going to flow to that bulb through the power line and the light is going to turn on. That's the key. And I submit to you that the healing power of God works exactly the same way. You see here in Tampa, we have uh, Tampa Electric Company or Tico. You see, Tico has set up the power plant. Tico has set up the power distribution lines throughout the city all the way to my house. And it's done all that it's going to do. It is now my job to flip the light switch and see the light turn on. If I call Tico and ask them to come out and and turn on the light switch, they will not do that for me. They will not come in my house and turn on my lights. That is my job. That is my responsibility. But if I turn the lights on, the power will flow and my lights, or excuse me, if I flip the switch, the power will flow and my lights will turn on. And fortunately, the healing power of God works the same way. And I tell you, it took me a long time to understand this. But this is the truth. This is a wonderful and powerful and liberating truth that I can flip the switch for the healing power of God to flow into my body anytime it's needed. And 
So now the question becomes, how do I flip that switch? And fortunately, the Bible teaches us. So now we're going to start looking at some of the methods to flip the switch, the methods to see the healing power of God flow into our bodies. And we're going to start with a brief discussion on authority and power. And this comes to us from Luke 9, verses 1 through 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The word power there is dunamis. That's a word that we talked about last week. That's a word that means uh, power or might or miracle working power or miracle. It's really referring to supernatural power. When Jesus felt virtue uh, go out of his body and into the woman, it's the same word. The word virtue is just a translation of the word dunamis in the Greek. So it says Jesus gave dunamis to the disciples. And it also says he gave the disciples authority. And that Greek word uh, is exousia, which refers to a legal jurisdiction or a legal authority. So as we approach healing and, uh, you know, maybe the fight against sickness and and disease, the fight against an injury, the fight against an unclean spirit that might be manifesting a physical problem, power and authority are how we are going to do it. I don't know that we could say every single healing in the Bible is an exercise of power and authority, but uh, we also don't necessarily need to be an expert in, in every single thing. We don't need to be a theological master. That's not what God has for us. You don't need to be a theological master, you know, have a PhD in this to understand the healing power of God. We just need to figure out how to get it to flow into our bodies And by looking at the miracles of Jesus, the miracles in the lives of the apostles, we understand that that the most important concepts are power and authority. So the first uh, method we are going to discuss tonight, and we're going to see power and authority kind of come back. But the first method we're going to see to see the healing power of God flow into your body is physical contact with a Christian baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me just say it again to be crystal clear. The first biblical method to see the healing power of God flow into your body is physical contact with a Christian baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Mark 16 verses 15 through 18. Jesus says, now these are, this is the last discussion that Jesus has with the disciples before he returns to heaven. He's already died, uh, he's already risen again, and he's about to go back to heaven. And this is the last conversation they have. This conversation is actually, parts of it are recorded in Acts, Mark, and Luke. It's the same conversation, but but we get different snippets of that conversation in each book. So here's a part of what we get in Mark. Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So notice that he says, uh, you can, a believer can place hands on sick people and they will get well. Or to put it another way, through that physical contact, the healing power of God will flow. 
Luke 6, 17 through 19. We're going to see this in Jesus' ministry and how this operated. He went down with them. He's talking about Jesus. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So there we see this, this again, that through physical contact, the power would flow for physical healing. So the people would touch him, the power would flow, and they would be healed. We see that in the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't even need to touch him. She just needed to touch his garment. We see, uh, we talked about this last week in the book of Acts, where garments were taken from Paul, handkerchiefs and aprons, I believe it says. And, and the healing power of God was even conveyed through those cloths. But, you know, without getting too com- complicated on the clothing aspect, we can just say that physical contact with a Christian uh, is one mechanism by which you can see God's healing power flow. And notice that it says in the Luke verse, power was coming from him and healing them all. That's the quote, because power was coming from him and healing them all. That's what happened when they touched him. Power was coming out of him. Dunamis, that's the Greek word for power there, was coming from him and healing them all. So, We should ask ourselves, how can we make sure that the dunamis is in us? Now, that's whether I want to pray for myself or whether I want to pray for somebody else. I should, you know, I want the dunamis. You know, I want to be ministering as Jesus taught me to minister. So Acts 1, 8, Acts 1, verse 8 teaches us, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, the dunamis power of God comes into your body when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I know that 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 could be a controversial idea to suggest that Only those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit have that power. Unfortunately, that is the biblical truth. That is the clear biblical explanation that that only when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit does the dunamis come into your body from God. And, and look, I'm not saying that we should necessarily go crazy about that, but look, I just want to do what the Bible says. I want to study what the Bible says. I want to learn what it says, and I want to have the dunamis power to see healing flow into my body and the body of those that, that God brings into my life, right? I want to be able to function like this. So, so I think that's important to keep in mind. But nevertheless, the first method in which we can see the healing power of God flow into our physical bodies is by physical contact with a Christian who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next method to see the healing power of God flow into our bodies is you can have a Christian exercise authority for your healing. Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. 
Lord, he says, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So notice, there's no discussion of power in this miracle. And as you probably know, in fact, the centurion's servant was healed. This uh, miracle is all about the authority. Remember, we're talking about authority and power. Jesus doesn't touch this servant. He just uses authority. How did the centurion understand that Jesus had total and complete authority over whatever sickness and, or disease was bothering his servant? I have no idea. Right. I mean, but isn't that fascinating that somehow this centurion who clearly understood authority also understood that authority was a major part of Jesus's healing ministry? I don't know how all of that worked out, but we see Jesus clearly agreeing with him, clearly honoring him and granting his request through an exercise of this authority. Interesting thing that I feel like we should point out. You know, God meets you where your faith is. We're going to look at faith in detail tonight. If you have faith for someone to lay hands on you and be healed or for you to lay hands on yourself and be healed, God will meet you there. If you have faith for someone to exercise authority for you or to exercise authority over some situation you have in your own body, God will meet you there. Faith is what flips the switch for the power flow. So that's just something to keep in mind. And that's what we see in the ministry of Jesus. People tried to touch him. Boom, they got healed. People tried to touch his clothes. Boom, they got healed. People asked him to exercise their authority. Boom, the, he did it. And those the people got healed. Praise God. So that's that's kind of, you know, the way it works there. So anyway, so let's keep going on authority. This is Luke 10, 17 through 19. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So first of all, let's remember that Jesus in Luke 9 first sent out the 12 to heal the sick and to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then he sends out another 70 or 72 people, depending on the translation. But it's fascinating to me that at least 82 other people participated in the healing and miracle ministry of Jesus while Jesus was in the middle of his earthly ministry. 82 other people healing, working miracles, using their authority to cast out unclean spirits. Fascinating, right? That, that also tells us what God really wants for healing. But anyway, notice that Jesus says, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. You see, it's it's unfortunate but true. The devil also has dunamis. It's the same word there. The devil also has supernatural power. And we see that show up throughout the world. And we can't rehash everything we looked at last week. But look, sometimes when someone is attacked by an unclean spirit, 
that unclean spirit will will use you know this ungodly power against their physical body and they'll have a sickness they'll have a disease we see that many times in the bible so the devil has supernatural authority as well but it's our job as the church as the body of christ to use the authority that god has given us to fight against the devil and everything he's doing in the earth and that point is extremely important. I'll probably do another episode on that subject specifically, but we need to understand that any time we see the kingdom of darkness or the devil or an unclean spirit or anything like that trying to operate in our lives or in the world around us, we should start taking authority over that situation in Jesus' name, taking authority over the devil, binding the devil, binding the unclean spirits, commanding the devil to leave that situation, to stop his activities in the name of Jesus, never to return, never to resume those activities. You see, that's our job as the church. And listen to this verse, which I think should get a lot more treatment, candidly. But this is Mark thirteen thirty four. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. What a fascinating picture of the reality that we are in now. You see, Jesus, it says he left his house. Jesus is now in heaven. He is not here anymore, but he has given authority to his servants. That's us. We need to be using this authority on behalf of the kingdom of God. We need to be using this authority on behalf of Jesus. He is not up there in heaven using it for us. We are the ones who must use the authority in his name. It's his authority that's been delegated to us. We need to use this authority to overcome the power of the enemy. This is our job. We've been given exousia, authority, and to every man his work. That's our good works. It's Ephesians 2.10 that the Bible, that, you know, that we've talked about before. We've been given authority and we've been given works. And this is what we need to do in our lives is do these good works and use our authority against the dominion of darkness. But to get back to healing, how do we get this authority? Well, fortunately, we immediately receive the authority of Jesus the moment we become a Christian. It's automatically received. It's inherent in our Christianity. It's through our union with Christ. And that's a wonderful truth. And that's a very important point because it's through this authority. That's how we can see healing miracles. That's how we can see exorcisms. That's how we can see lots of uh, very powerful workings of God and outworkings of this Christian authority, even in denominations where they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The authority is not tied to the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the same way that the dunam, the dunamis miracle working power of God is. And I'm just pointing this out because I find it interesting. I find it wonderful. And I think it's good that we really understand this because the authority and the power, you know, understanding how this works is very important. And I'll just mention a couple of other things before we, we move on, right? There's 
this authority and the power, they work for you and for others. You can use authority for your own life or your own healing. If you have a sickness, a disease, you think maybe an unclean spirit has afflicted you, for example. If you think the devil or an unclean spirit's attacking your children, you know, you see your, your normally, uh, you know, happy child going through a hard period of dejection or despair or some real negative thing. And I'm just, let me just be, I've, I've seen that on, on my younger child where I really believed it was just an unclean spirit attacking her because, you know, generally she's just a wonderful girl and very loving and, and very sweet. But man, sometimes, uh, she'll go through difficult periods and I've cast those unclean spirits off of her. And, so that's the way we need to go through our life, you know, using this authority that we've been given anytime we think we might see the dominion of darkness operating in our lives. So you can use this authority for you and for others. You can uh, use the dunamis, miracle working power of God that you've been given. You can use it for you and you can use it for others. Now, before we move on to the, the next major method to see the healing power of God flow, I just want to talk about two, maybe we'll call them minor methods. The first one would be the, the, the cloths that we've already mentioned before, you know, that, that the power of God, uh, was, uh, basically transmitted through cloths and clothing. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. We see it in the ministry of the, the apostle Paul. So look, uh, there are definitely a lot of ministries that will give out prayer cloths. And so what we should say is that is a, a biblical thing. That's a, an appropriate biblical exercise, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't think we could say that it's one of the dominant or, you know, most important methods, but I think we would say that it's a biblical method. Interestingly enough, we also see in the book of Acts that people uh, would lay sick folks in the street just so that Peter's shadow might fall on them and they would get healed. These people had faith that the power of God would even flow through Peter's shadow. I mean, that's some crazy faith right there. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, and, you know, we don't necessarily need to understand every aspect of that. But look, hey, I, I'm, I believe the Bible. So that must be a biblically uh, blessed method uh, to get healed. I see somebody trying to, you know, lay in my shadow or something. I'll probably just reach down and touch them and use authority too. But hey, praise God. You know, you have faith in my shadow. You have faith in, you know, Pastor Craig's shadow or whoever's shadow. Then praise God, brother. Let's do it. Anyway, I just want to mention those because those are kind of minor methods. And we're talking about the methods to see the healing power of God flow in your body. So the next one we're going to discuss is the prayer of faith. And this is going to segue into our kind of discussion about faith that we're going to do today. So this is James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Okay, this passage tells us several very interesting things. But let's just start with the first question. Is anyone among you sick? You see, the way it was supposed to be in the church is that, look, look, it's no surprise if we see a lot of sick people in the world, right? We talked about this last week. We live in a fallen world with the dominion of darkness and the devil going out there fighting against people, trying to uh, kill people, right? No surprise that there's sickness. It's our job to do something about this. But anyway, is anyone among you sick? In the church, 
No one should be sick. That should not be the norm. It should be the norm that no one's sick. But if anyone is sick, God forbid, call the elders of the church and let's deal with this right now. The biblical design is that no one in our church fellowship should be sick. And if they get sick, if they get attacked, injured, they, you know, eat a bad sandwich, whatever it is, they can come and be healed. It says, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. So let's briefly mention oil. Uh, we also see the disciples ministering with oil in Mark 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 13. So we would say that the anointing with oil as part of the healing ministry is a biblical exercise. Nothing wrong with that. But but the oil, notice it says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Right? It's the prayer of faith that makes the sick person well. It's not the oil necessarily that makes the sick person well. The oil may just be another point of contact or another way to help boost that person's faith that, you know, the power of God is actually being transferred into their body because that's what it's all about. But specifically, it's the prayer of faith. So if I'm going to think about a prayer of faith for healing, what does that really sound like? So we'll come back to that idea with, with examples, but let's start talking about faith. Because notice that we've seen faith show up in all of these dominant methods, right? Jesus honored the woman's faith because she reached out and touched him and received the healing power. There are countless times when Jesus uh, talks about the importance of people's faith when they receive a healing, you know, according to your faith, be it unto you. He honored the centurion's faith. And now we have this new concept, the prayer of faith for healing. So we're going to need to understand faith. I know we've talked about it uh, at length in some of our other episodes, but let's briefly recap it again. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, this is another absolutely loaded passage. But for the sake of time tonight, let's just focus on... The fact that if you want something from God, you must ask in faith. Notice it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Then notice this crucial sentence. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now that, that is quite a statement. What that tells me, and, and again, this is me, this is not trying to judge anybody else or anything like that. What that tells me is if I make a request of God, but I'm not in faith, I should not expect to receive. And that's a big statement. But let's keep going so we can understand how that we can ask in faith. If I'm going to ask of God and I need to be in faith, then, then buddy, I better understand faith. I better make sure that I'm asking right every time. So remember in the book of Mark chapter 11, there's a fig tree 
and Jesus had seen this fig tree. There were no figs on it. And for whatever reason, he decided to curse the fig tree. So now the next day, they're walking past this fig tree. And this is Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you curse is withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. In this very, very wonderful and famous passage, Jesus is teaching us how to use your faith. And we're going to look at a lot more verses on the operation of faith, but I would say this is the key passage where we are taught how to use our faith. Notice that he says, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done. Now, I want to point out that there's actually a disagreement among some of the translations, and I think it's not, this is not a great translation. When he says, believes that what they say will happen, so that would be future tense, will happen. I believe that what the Greek is actually saying is that you believe what you say does happen, present tense. So I speak to the mountain, and I believe the mountain moves then it will be done for me. So I speak and I believe that it's done. And I think that that idea is supported by the very next sentence. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's a direct quote from the NIV, where I think they have the Greek, uh, the verb tense correct. Notice, I'm going to ask for something but before I even see it, I believe that I've received it. I'm speaking to the mountain. Before I see the mountain move, I believe that it has moved and then it moves. I pray. I believe that I received. Then it shows up. Notice there was a period of time in between when Jesus cursed that fig tree and when the physical manifestation of that curse was apparent to everybody. That's why the fig tree is the perfect context for this discussion. There's a period of time between when we pray and when we see the answer to our prayer. A period of time between when we make a declaration in faith and when we see the physical manifestation show up. Now, most people understand that concept that, yes, I have to pray and then I have to wait or I have to you know, command in Jesus name and then I have to wait for a lot of reasons. Most people get that. But what we have missed, what I was missing, what I didn't really understand on the level that it needed to be understood when we started my wife's healing journey is when you pray. You believe that it's done now. When I command the tumor out of my body, when I command the cancer cells out of my body in Jesus name, 
when I command, you know, my head to stop hurting, my arm to start working, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, I believe that it's done now. Maybe the scan still says the tumor's there. Maybe the blood work still shows that the cancer's still operational in my body, but I believe that it's done now. That is how faith works. I believe that it's done now, then what I'm believing for shows up in the natural realm. Now, let me just say, if you've never heard this before, I get it. That can sound crazy. That is not how our minds are designed to work. Our minds are designed that we believe what we can see, what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can hear, what our physical senses tell us has happened. That's what we believe has happened. But biblical faith works different. The way faith works is that we use our authority, we speak or we use the power, we do what the Bible tells us to do, and we believe that it's worked even before we can see it. We believe that it's worked because the Bible tells us that's how it works. That's what we're trying to do here, and that's the way we need to begin operating in faith. Let me read 1 John five fourteen through 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Notice that. I ask according to God's will, and maybe I haven't seen it yet, but I know that I have what I asked of him. I know that he heard me. I know that the power is flowing and I've got it. That's the place of faith. And I know that that thing's going to show up in the natural. It's going to show up in my body. It's going to show up in my life. But I know that I've got it even before I can see it. And let me just mention, this is why it's so important to understand that healing is God's will. Every single person I will ever pray for for healing God's will is with me. God wants them healed. And I am operating on behalf of Jehovah Rapha and Christ the healer to deliver his healing power exactly as he wants me to do. That's why it's so important to know and understand that God's will is healing as we're talking about healing. That's why it's also wonderful to know when you are using your faith that what you're asking for is God's will for your life. And obviously, the Bible teaches us that many things are God's will for our lives. And as you go through life, the Spirit of God is going to reveal to you. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which I encourage you to meditate heavily. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you everything God wants you to have and everything God has prepared for you and everything God wants you to do. Now, that doesn't come automatically. You have to be tuned in to God's frequency, as I've talked about at length. But here's the point. When you know something is God's will, then you can start standing in faith for it. And look, I know there are verses that say we can ask for whatever we want, and I'm not talking about that right now. You want to pray for a Ferrari or a beach house? Hey, be my guest. But what we're talking today 
is healing. And we know from the word of God that healing is absolutely God's will. So beyond the shadow of any doubt, I can stand in a position of rock solid faith that when I've released the power, when I've exercised the authority, the healing is mine. That's the place of faith. So first John tells us that when I'm operating according to God's will, that there's no question he hears me. There's no question my prayer is answered. There's no question that the power of God is flowing for that healing manifestation. James tells me, though, that I must ask in faith. I must operate in faith, nothing wavering, nothing doubting. And Mark 11 then tells me how faith works, where I need to stand knowing that it's done even before I see it in the natural realm. So let's keep going on this relatively complicated concept. It's very helpful to understand that in the Greek, the word for faith is pistis, all right? That word pistis comes from the verb to convince. In the Bible, faith is not just hope, want, or belief. Faith is complete conviction, complete assurance, fully persuaded. I know that I know that I know. That is what biblical faith is, and that's the way you need to start thinking. The word believe in the Bible is pisteo, which literally means to have pistis, to have faith. When we say believe in the English language, we do not have this same level of assurance, this same level of conviction. I believe church starts at six o'clock. I believe my wife is coming to the party. I believe all sorts of things. No, I don't know that I know that I know, but you know, I believe them. That's the English version of belief. But in the Bible, when Jesus says, for example, all things are possible to them who believe. And when they tell us, when Jesus tells us, believe what you say does happen. What he's saying is be fully persuaded, be completely convinced. Are you completely convinced that what you've prayed for is yours? That's where we need to go. That's how it works. Where even though I've commanded that mountain to move in Jesus name and in the natural, that mountain has not moved even a millimeter but I know that it's done already. That's faith. That's belief. I have no physical evidence to the contrary, but I know that it's done. And in healing, that's how we need to start working. Maybe you have a headache. You lay hands on yourself for uh, you to, for the power to flow into your head. You take authority over that pain and command it out of your body. You're done, you've released it in Jesus' name, but your head still hurts. So your mind wants to say it didn't work, it doesn't work, this doesn't work. Then your mind says all sorts of other things. But no, what we have to say is no, I haven't received manifestation yet, but I know that it's done. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Then it starts to manifest in the physical. Second Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the King James. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, let's listen to that verse in the Amplified, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. What a fascinating verse. That's the way we need to operate. My faith says I am assured of what I'm believing for. I am convinced or I have conviction of its reality, even though it's not being revealed yet to my senses. I'm still convinced that it's done without any physical evidence. I'm convinced that it's done based on God's word alone. So now let's kind of combine our discussions about faith and power and and see how we would work this system. Remember, we got to flip the switch. The Bible teaches us how to flip the switch to see the healing power of God flow into our body. So let's talk about this. Authority and power. That's step one. Faith. Step two. We are going to use authority and or power and we are going to stand in faith that it's done. So and yes, it's not really step one and step two. It's kind of a simultaneous operation. But you'll see I'm going to give you an example now. And let's go back to the idea of a headache. Let's say it's a migraine headache, like, you know, so a headache that's so bad that you want to throw up. You can only lay down, you know, one of those just horrible, horrible headaches. So what I would do is I would lay hands on my head, put my own hands on my head. If you want to add in another faith operation and get somebody to come and pray in agreement with you and put their hands on your head as well, wonderful. Go for it. That's totally cool. But let's just assume you're by yourself. You can pray, lay hands on your head and say, in the name of Jesus, head be healed. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over anything in my body causing my head to hurt. I bind you in Jesus name and I command you to be removed from my body right now, never to return. If there's any unclean spirit in my body or afflicting my head in any way, I take authority over you in Jesus' name and I command you out of my body, out of my head, out of my life, never to return in Jesus' name. Head, be totally and completely healed. If there's any swelling, swelling, be reduced. Whatever it is in my body, be totally healed. Receive the healing power of God right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so now what happens? A lot of times, you know, look, sometimes, boom, that healing is going to manifest instantly and you're going to be totally healed and you're going to be praising God and you're going to go on about your day. Praise God. That's wonderful. Sometimes it works like that. But other times you're done praying and it still hurts. So what's your job then? Well, your job is to stay in faith that it's done, even though in the physical realm, even though what's being revealed to your senses is that it didn't work, that that your head still hurts, we still walk by faith and not by sight. I am convinced, I am assured, I am persuaded that it's done. That's the place of faith. And when I'm in the place of faith, the power is flowing for my manifestation. Remember, we learned that faith is key. But one thing we can do 
is we can we can look at some more verses, which we'll do now, to understand some really important pointers as we look to stand in faith. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him Christ, or excuse me, in Christ is what the Bible's saying there. For all the promises of God in Christ are yea, and in Christ, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So maybe you've heard this idea, all the promises of God are yes and amen. You see, Jesus was perfect. And we now don't come before God in our own righteousness. We literally become the righteousness of God. We have the very same righteousness that Jesus had. And in the same way, because of that righteousness, Jesus was entitled to all of the promises of God. In Christ, we are also fully entitled to the promises of God. And notice it says, unto the glory of God by us. When we see the promises of God in our lives, it brings God glory. It doesn't bring God glory to see you broke, busted, and disgusted. It brings God glory to see you prosper, healed, having good relationships and going out and working for the kingdom of God against the dominion of darkness in the earth. That's what brings God God glory. Right? We have all these great and precious promises and they are ours. They are yes and amen to us. So start with that concept and now let's get a healing promise. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. I will take sickness from your midst. I am the Lord that heals you. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. The Lord will restore my health and heal my wounds. Just Google healing promises. Get a bunch. Read them. Decide which one you like the most, right? Which one? God, which one of these promises should I really use to, to, to see manifested in my life. What's the good one that you have for me in this situation? So let's take one of these promises for our healing. I've released the power. I've used my authority, but now I'm standing in faith. Hebrews 6.12 We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You see, these promises belong to us now as God's children. So we are going to inherit these healing promises. That's really what we want to do. So we want to pick one and we want to use our faith to inherit the promise. And let me just mention patience. Patience just means being constant, being steadfast, staying in the place of faith for a long period of time. It might take a few hours for your head to start feeling better. You need to be patient. You need to be staying in faith for that period of time. Sometimes a healing journey, unfortunately, can take longer, right? Sometimes it can take months. Uh, you need to stay in faith during that period of time. Now, look, God doesn't want that. There's a lot of reasons that a healing journey can take longer. I mean, there might be unclean spirits warring against you. There might be other things going on in your body. There might be the whatever causes sickness in the first place, you know, that that still might be present. God's power is more than enough to overcome all of these. And it's not God's desire for you to be going through this any longer than an instant. Right. Jehovah Rapha, your father wants you healed. 
But let's just let's just point out the reality that some healing journeys take a little bit longer and there can be a lot of reasons for that that we won't go through today. But the good news is I have healing promises which are mine, which are yes and amen to me. And in fact, they are my inheritance. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So now let's kind of wrap all these ideas together. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The promises are in the word of God. And let me just say, we're going to combine four ideas here. I don't want this to be too complicated. Let me try to say it as clearly as possible. The healing promises of God are yours. And when you hear them, your faith for healing rises. Now, it's good Don't worry about reading 50 promises or 100 promises. Just get one or two that feel really good to you. You know, they just feel right when you read them. That's the best way to describe it. Take one or two. For me, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. That's my healing promise. And as I hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that promise, which I know is God's will, which I know is my inheritance, which I know is mine in Christ. As I hear that promise, my faith for that promise rises. And remember, I need to be in the place of faith. So I've used authority and power, but now I'm going to use one of God's promises to stay in faith. Remember, we're going to use authority and power, and then we're going to stay in faith. But it can be hard. To stay in faith when your head is pounding so hard you can't even walk. So it's good to use a verse and it's good to use one of these promises that can truly help you stay in faith. Even when the negative physical circumstances are still present. Let me tell you a few brief testimonies of mine. About eight months into my wife's healing journey, we went to Canada for her to receive some alternative treatments. I'm not saying I'm for or against any of that. You do what God tells you to do. That's what we did. So we're about eight months in. And by this time, I'm getting really fired up about healing, about God's power and desire to heal everybody. And so we arrive in Canada, the Vancouver area. And the next day after we arrive, because, you know, it's a long travel day from Tampa, The next day, I'm starting to have some real symptoms of sickness. My throat is really hurting. I can barely speak. I've got cold symptoms and I'm not doing well. And immediately I start to feel like a fraud, like, oh, I must have got this wrong or, oh, you know, I'm telling everybody they can be healed and here I am sick. I feel really bad about myself for a few hours. But then I get my mind straightened up and I start working on this system that I'm telling you to do. I'm start working on turning this power switch on to see God's healing power flow into my life, into my body. So I command my voice to be healed. I command my throat to be healed. And I command these symptoms to leave. And they didn't leave instantly, unfortunately. But the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. So I start resisting. And I start hearing the promises of God to increase my faith. 
By Jesus' stripes, my throat was healed. By Jesus' stripes, my voice was healed. My voice was healed in Jesus' name. God has restored my voice and healed my voice in Jesus' name. And all day long, I kid you not, all day long, I walked around Vancouver confessing those verses and saying those verses and using my voice to the best of my ability. I, I may may have had 10% of my voice, probably less. So much so that, you know, my kids were with me and they're like, Dad, stop. Dad, you sound weird. Stop. But sure enough, it gets to be about eight o'clock at night and we put the kids down and I sit on the couch and I say something to my wife and boom, I had experienced a miracle. I recognized instantly that my voice was like 85% back. I hadn't slept. I hadn't taken any medicine. I hadn't done anything. It started to manifest because I was in faith all day and the power was flowing and boom, it started to take hold. It started to manifest just like it took some time for the curse of that fig tree to appear in the natural. The healing of my throat and my body and my voice had started to show up. I went to sleep. I woke up the next day. My voice was 100% perfect. I had no symptoms of any any kind, and it was totally done. Let me give you another one. This and Maybe you've heard me tell this before, and I'm going to try to keep it brief. brief. Last Thanksgiving, I'm walking out to the car with a big cooler full of food, and I step off the curb and roll my ankle, and I felt the pop, and it was like a bomb went off in my ankle. It was excruciating. It was extremely painful, and I wanted to immediately yell a whole bunch of obscenities and get all mad and, and so on, but fortunately, my kids were outside, so I kept it in check, and I, I could barely make it to the car with that cooler. I mean, it was all I could do to not collapse with that cooler, but you know, I got to the car, and then I leaned on a tree and I said, you know, ankle be healed in Jesus name by Jesus stripes. I was healed. And then we went on about our day. Well, a few hours later, Thanksgiving dinner was over and I got up to get up from the table and and I couldn't walk. I, I mean, it's the worst pain in my ankle I've ever felt in my life. I mean, I couldn't even move. I couldn't even make it to the chair. I just sat down on the stairs and the swelling had started and I was in unbelievable pain. And, you know, the people in the house, God bless them, are like, oh, you know, you're going to need to go to a doctor. You know, this isn't this isn't good. This isn't going to go away. And I really wasn't in a very good e uh, mood either. And my mom was there and she tried to pray for me. I mean, she did sh what she could. But, you know, I really wasn't receiving it. And I was ready to go home. So I was like, man, I get me out of here. You know, I'm not saying I always make the, f the best choice immediately or I'm perfect. No, I mean, I was in a rough spot. So they take me home. I got a ride home early for my mom. And, and like the great, you know, man of faith that I am, I promptly, you know, soak my ankle in the hot water and then lay in bed and prop my leg up and all that. And I'm finally getting, you know, kind of comfortable. And, but I mean, you know, I'm in serious pain and I'm actually really concerned that I've seriously injured myself. So the Lord speaks to me right there in bed and he says, look, are you going to let this thing come on you or do what you know to do? And I thought about for a minute I'm not really proud of this, but I thought about all of this for a minute. And I remembered that I had to go to New Jersey in just a few days for a wedding, uh, my client's daughter. And I had to be there. And, you know, I couldn't be hobbling around. I couldn't be in crutches. And it's kind of a big thing because, you know, you've got to fly to Newark and then drive an hour and a half and all of that. So, you know, I'm like, man, this is going to be a major problem. I need to deal with this. So I got up out of bed. And I started saying, you know, I, by Jesus stripes, I was healed. In Jesus name, my ankle's healed. Ankle, you be healed in Jesus name right now. 
And remember, I resist the devil. We resist the devil and he flees. And I started cleaning the house and I cleaned the downstairs and I took the garbage out. Because, you know, the Thanksgiving week, the kids are home from school all week now. It wasn't like that when, when we were kids or when I was a kid. Now everybody's home. The house is trash. So I cleaned the whole house. And then, you know, we've got a hamster and the hamster was downstairs for whatever reason. So now I got to take the hamster upstairs and I'm carrying his cage. And I get to the staircase and I think, oh, man, this is going to be terrible. You know, I got to hobble up these stairs. But, but, you know, but in Jesus name, by Jesus stripes, I was healed. And as I went to step on that first step, the pain was still there. But I knew that I had it. And that moment provided me a revelation of this next verse I'm going to read you. And let me just thank Pastor Bill Winston out of Chicago who has a great revelation of this concept. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. And remember the word believe means have faith. Here is the key concept. For we which have believed or we which have faith do enter rest. You will know when you are starting to really get into biblical faith about something when you start to feel a peace from the Holy Spirit. You haven't seen any answer to prayer show up in the natural, but you know that you've got it. You know that you've prayed it through. You know this thing is done. And for any of you listening who have spent any time in prayer, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've spent time praying for your kid, for your friend, for your family member, for a situation at work, whatever it is. And after you spent time praying, all of a sudden you just you just know, man, man, I'm starting to feel pretty good about this. Man, I thought this thing's done. Thank you, Jesus. I can feel it. You know when that feeling comes on you? That's a wonderful feeling. And that is this verse. For we which have believed do enter rest. You start you have you have prayed, you have stood, you have believed the promises of God, and now because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, now you have gotten into a place of true biblical faith, working with the Holy Spirit, and you know that it's done. You feel that peace. You feel that rest. That is how you can tell you are in true biblical faith. It's very hard when you've just come out of a doctor's office and he's given you a horrible diagnosis or you've just come out of a situation and you have terrible circumstances that you're faced with. And yeah, you're using the authority and you're using the power. But man, it's a war in your mind. And there's all sorts of physical circumstances that are fighting against you and they're making it hard for you to stand in faith that this thing is actually done, that you're actually healed even though the doctor is telling you that you're gonna die. That's a tough spot to be in. I, you know, I hear you. So what we do is we get that promise of God and we hear it and we hear it and we hear it and we hear it because as we hear it, faith rises. And for me, I start hearing it, I start speaking it and I do it with volume. And I'm not saying that's biblically required, but baby, the violent take it by force. And that's that's the way I operate in my house. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. Satan, get off me in Jesus name. I was healed. My ankle was healed. My leg was healed, whatever it is. And I get after it. And my faith rises. And after you do that for a little while, you feel, you feel. I tell you what, if you've never done this before and you got some situation going on, you grab a verse and you spend three minutes 
boldly, loudly, aggressively confessing the promises of God over your life. Give me three minutes and then tell me how you feel. Because this is a spiritual operation and a supernatural force. And you are going to feel the faith rising and you are going to start to feel peace and rest. I'm not saying it takes only three minutes every time. It kind of depends on the situation. You're in a really bad spot. It might take longer, but just do it for three minutes and you'll feel this operation begin to work in you. And you do it, you press in and you keep praying and you can move fully into rest and peace. And that's what happened to me on that staircase with my hurting ankle. No, my ankle hurt really bad on every single step. But I knew that I had it. I knew that thing was done. I knew the power of God was flowing in my manifestation. I knew I had broken through. And I cleaned the upstairs and I went up and down the stairs a bunch of times. And I did everything I knew, hobbling the whole way. But I knew that I knew that I knew. I was assured. I was convinced. I was persuaded that that by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. I went to bed, woke up about three in the morning, and I would say my my ankle was 60, 60% or so better. I knew the power had started working. The, the, the fig tree had started changing. My ankle had started changing, and the power was flowing in my body. Woke up the next day, probably 85% healed. And you know that's Christmas light day, the day after Thanksgiving in our house. And up and down the ladder, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. You know, up and down the attic, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Getting those lights up. Not really what I ever want to do, but, you know, we're doing it. We did it by faith last year. The next day I woke up, ran four miles. Totally, 100% healed. Never had another problem. Complete manifestation. No doctor. No nothing. Totally healed. You know, I'll give you one more very brief testimony because it illustrates a powerful point. I was in Idaho last summer, and for a variety of reasons, stupid activities on my own part, my neck started hurting really, really bad. So much so, we're on vacation, but it's affecting my mood. I'm getting grumpy, and I am in real pain. So I lay down one night, and and I think, man, I have got to get control over this situation. I've got to use my faith on my neck. And you know what I think? I don't know why I thought this, but this is what I thought. It's not going to work for me. I don't know why I thought that. I have no idea. I've written a book about healing. I've taught for healing and hours and hours and hours. I'm as far out there on healing as anybody I know. And I still had that thought. This isn't going to work. But then I sat there for another minute and praise God, the Holy Spirit was there to give me another thought. No, it is going to work. In fact, it works every single time. That's the beauty of it. So I laid hands on my neck. I didn't get loud. I didn't get bold. My wife was, was sleeping there. I just laid hands on my neck and I said, neck, be healed in Jesus name. Amen. And then I sat there and yeah, it still hurt. I still felt it. And I said, I decide that I'm healed. I believe that I receive. I believe that it's done right now in Jesus name. And I honestly think I was asleep, like not two seconds later. I mean, boom, I was out. The next morning I woke up 100% healed totally and completely healed. And I've been struggling for days. I didn't go to a doctor. I didn't ice and do anything in the natural. I didn't sleep a perfect way. I just used my faith and I woke up totally and completely healed. And I want to mention that because that was not a faith champion in that moment. I mean, 10 seconds before I was thinking it wouldn't even work for me. And then I decided, no, I believe it's going to work. I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to use this power and I'm going to, I'm going to get this healing power flowing into my body. 
That's not faith giant. That's not faith champion. That's not faith rock star. But see, that's no surprise that it worked anyway. Because remember, it's just a mustard seed worth of faith. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and it'll move. You see, it's not that you have to be a faith champion. It's not that you need to know every Bible verse. It's not that you need to, you know, be some grand master of all these things. But what you need is just a mustard seed worth of faith. But it's not just want. It's not just hope. It's not even just expectation. It's true biblical faith that you know that it's yours, that you know that it's done, that you've released the power, you've used your authority, and you know that you know that you know that even though you can't feel it, even though it still hurts, even though the doctor says you're still sick, you know that it's done. That's faith. And even a mustard seed's worth of faith is enough to heal any physical ailment you will ever have. My friends, we're going to close in just a moment, but I want to address two points. The first point I want to address is another argument against healing. And I would say for me and for a lot of Christians, this is the hardest argument. And I want to apologize in advance for offending some of you or hurting some of you. That is not my intention. I am not trying to judge, condemn, hurt. I want to help. I want to help all of us understand all of these questions, all of these arguments, so that we can truly see the healing power of God flow how he wants it to flow, which is every time for everyone. That's what he wants. The final argument against healing is that a lot of people have known some wonderful, amazing Christians who got sick, who prayed for their healing and didn't receive. And so these people think, or, or we, we often might think that, hey, if brother or sister so-and-so, if God didn't heal them, then it can't be God's will to heal everybody. And look, I just want to say I believe that is the hardest argument to answer. And before we attempt to do so, I want to say that I have been there. I, I have been there where I've had close friends that should not have died, that should have received their healing, and they didn't receive so what is the explanation for that? I would never presume to know the ins and outs of every single person's healing situation or the ins and outs of every single reason why every person who, who, who is a devout Christian who prayed for their healing, I would never presume to know why they didn't get healed. But I believe, I believe that we can look at a couple of points and really understand why Maybe maybe it didn't work for them because fundamentally the healing power of God will flow every single time that the healing power of God is sought correctly. Authority, power and faith will produce a healing every single time. Now, I will mention that we need to be constantly tuned in to God for anything he's telling us to do. If you're drinking contaminated water, God forbid then God might lead you to pray or find a new water source. That's just an example. If there's an open door in your life to the enemy through un uh, unforgiveness, through some sort of terrible sinful activity, whatever it may be, I'm not here to judge you, but I'm just pointing out that God knows. 
how this thing got upon you and God will reveal to you anything you need to do in the natural and we need to be tuned in about that. But what I'm saying is when we look at some awesome, wonderful Christians who didn't receive their healing and ask why, unfortunately, I think there are a couple of things that we can say. The number one reason I believe that we see that in the world is because there are many people out there just asking God, God, please heal me. And unfortunately, that is not a biblical method of receiving the healing power of God into your body. Asking God to heal you is not a biblical method to receiving the healing power of God. You have to use the power. You have to use the authority. You have to stand in faith. There are another group of people. And again, this is not meant to judge or condemn in any way. But let me just point this out. There are many, many people who are asking God for healing and they'll then go to the doctor. But fundamentally, they don't believe that they're healed until the doctor pronounces them healed. They don't believe that they've actually received what God's word promises until they can see it in the natural realm. As if when your physical senses perceive that the healing has occurred, then you will believe that you're healed. My friends, that is not faith. You see, want is not faith. Hope is not faith. Really, even expect something is not even faith. Only knowing that something is done based on God's word alone, even before you can see it in the natural, that is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We believe we receive before we see. That is faith, and faith is required to see the healing power of God flow. And I do not want to attack anybody's faith. I'm not trying to come down on anybody, but my friends, this is the biblical truth. This does not explain why every single person, every single wonderful Christian who sought healing and didn't receive. This does not provide an answer for every single instance. But candidly, I think this explanation helps. I think, I think it helps me understand why some people were lost. Because you know what I know? I know that there were people, they were only asking God, begging God for healing. Never, never believed in the laying on of hands. Never sought the power. Never believed in the authority. I know there are other people that, yes, they may have been prayed for a dozen times, but they were never going to believe that they were actually healed until the doctor said they were healed. And my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for these situations. My heart breaks when I think about the friends that I've lost. But my friends, if we will flip the switch, the power will flow into our bodies every single time. And let me just say, Maybe you're sitting there thinking that this system sounds hard, that the whole authority, power, and then standing in faith, even when the natural circumstances are contrary to your faith, that this system sounds crazy and hard. And how could it be this that God designed for us, this system that goes so contrary to the way we would think? My friends, the truth is that this is actually the best possible system. 
That in the same way the devil wars against the true knowledge of God and the true gospel of Jesus Christ, the devil has warred against the way our minds are supposed to work by faith, believing we receive before we see. And the devil wars against the true teachings of the healing power of God being available to everyone. And this system, the authority, power, and faith system was actually designed by God in all of his brilliance to be the best possible system so that wonderfully enough, amazingly enough, the healing power of God would be 100% and freely available to every single person who would seek it on demand at all times. That is the system that God designed. We actually learn this in Romans chapter 4. So God's promises would be sure to all the seed. God's faith and grace system has been designed so that we could see his promises show up every single time that we look for them in faith. And healing is no different. God's healing system has been designed so that his healing power is freely and completely available every time that we will seek his healing power the way Bible, the Bible teaches us to seek it. My friends, I know we've covered a lot of ground tonight. I want to make it crystal clear that there, I don't have any problem with doctors. I don't have any problem with conventional medicine. I think if you find yourself in a healing situation, you need to spend time praying for God's guidance, praying for God's direction, his wisdom. But in addition to anything you're doing in the natural and the conventional realm, do this also. And let Jehovah Rapha guide your medical decisions. Use the authority that you have as a Christian to overcome the power of the enemy that's operating in your body or in the body of a loved one. You use the authority in the name of Jesus to command that sickness to go, that pain to go, the symptoms to go, that unclean spirit to go, whatever it may be, you use that authority. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit if you aren't already. Call me anytime about that. We'll take care of it. Use the power. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Use the power. Transfer the healing power of God through physical contact. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. And then take his healing promises and hear them and hear them and hear them until your faith rises where you know that it's done. You know that it's done even when it hasn't shown up in the physical yet. Because when you're in that place of faith, truly you can be assured that the power of God is flowing in for your manifestation and it's just a matter of time. Guys, I love you. Thank you for joining and God bless you.